Hi everyone and welcome to this short reflective service for Ash Wednesday. You don't need any liturgy to follow this. I will be using some Church of England liturgy. There is just one simple response when we come to prayers, which is make our hearts clean, O God. And I'll let you know when it comes time to say that. Let's just pause for a moment of quiet as we gather ourselves at the start of this penitential season. Lord, we thank you for your great blessings. Thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are with us, that by your spirit you guide us. Lord, as we begin our Lent together, I pray that you would speak through this Ash Wednesday service and be honoured in everything that's said and done, and indeed our lives. In Jesus' name. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, since early days, Christians have observed with great devotion this time of our Lord's Passion and Resurrection, and prepared for this by a season of penitence and fasting. By carefully keeping these days, Christians take to heart the call to repentance and also the assurance of forgiveness that's proclaimed in the Gospels. And so, together, we grow in faith and devotion to our Lord Jesus Christ. I invite you, therefore, in the name of the Church, to the observance of a holy Lent, by self-examination, by repentance, by prayer, fasting and self-denial, and by reading and meditating on God's holy word. Let us pray. Holy God, our lives are laid open before you. Rescue us from the chaos of sin. And through the death of your Son, bring us healing and make us whole. In Jesus Christ, our Lord. We have some short reflective music in the form of the Kyrie, which is sung for us by the choir of St Martin's in the field. Now we come to our reading from God's Word and to the reading set for Ash Wednesday is from the New, New Testament epistle to the Corinthians. This is 2 Corinthians chapter 5 beginning at verse 20. So we are ambassadors 
for Christ. Since God is making his appeal through us, we entreat you on behalf of Christ to be reconciled to God. For our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, that we might have and receive the righteousness of God. As we work together with him, we urge you also not to accept the grace of God in vain. For he says, at an acceptable time I have listened to you, and on a day of salvation I have helped you. See, now is the day of salvation. Let us put no obstacle in anyone's way, so that no fault may be found with our ministry. But as servants of God, we have commended ourselves in every way, through great endurance, in afflictions, hardships, calamities, beatings, imprisonments, riots, labours, sleepless nights and hunger, by purity, by knowledge, with patience, kindness, holiness of spirit and genuine love, with truthful speech and the power of God, with the weapons of righteousness for the right hand and for the left, in honour and disrepute. We are treated as impostors, yet are true, as unknown and yet all are well known, as dying and yet we are alive, as sorrowful yet always rejoicing, as poor yet making many rich, as having nothing yet possessing everything. This is the word of the Lord. Ambassadors for Christ. What might that mean for us, for Ash Wednesday and for our church community today? And for us as people coming together at the beginning of Lent? Well, perhaps unsurprisingly, our, our teenagers, and one in particular, seems to have been growing again. And when they were putting on their hoodie the other day, there was a sound of ripping. I'm sure we only bought that for them just recently. I'm also sure this is probably not just our experience, but the experience of many parents up and down the land. But sure enough, there was a, a kind of big hole in the hoodie um, to let the rain in and the heat out, uh, such that the the garment itself was no longer fit for purpose. Well, both our Bible readings for Valentine's Day and Ash Wednesday come from Rome, uh, from Corinthians, this wonderful New Testament epistle in two volumes, which was written by St Paul. And St Paul is teaching the church how to be community with love at its heart. St Paul compares the church at Corinth to a growing body. But he says, look, if every part wants to kind of go its, its, its own way, to pursue their own course, then we're much less effective and much less unified in meeting the needs of the community around us. There is something in our human nature that fights against being in community and that's why Lent is a good time to reaffirm that unity and demonstrate what it means to live together, being different 
but in love. For it is that love, I think, we're seeking to make known in the years ahead to the people and organisations in our villages. Being Christians together in community means great times of joy. We can all recollect many of those very precious times. But it also means bearing with one another, occasionally choosing to go at a slower pace as a sacrificial act of love that intends, that indicates how we intend to live and how we intend to go on living with each other. When we do this, I think we're kind of like a living sacrament, sacrament being an outward sign of something special, grace going on in the inside. But if we're all pulling in different directions, we can end up like that old hoodie, no longer fit for purpose. Well, on uh, St Valentine's Day, my wife was preparing a Valentine's meal for us and we were chatting by the cooker. I was, uh, I occupied a very important role in that meal. I was wine monitor. But uh, she just turned at one point, she'd been saying something, and she said to me, you're not listening to a word I said, are you? Gents, that ring any bells with you? But it was a gentle reminder that if we love someone, then we'll take the time to listen to them. And I think there's something for us in this as a church. If we truly love our community, this place where we believe the Lord has called us to belong, one of the ways we can value them is to listen to what their needs are and how we can meet them. I think that is now especially important. We're thinking about being ambassadors of Christ, aren't we? Well, I think it's especially important now that we live in a time where people are sceptical about any truth claims and distrustful, perhaps, of institutional religion. We also need to listen. Lent is a great season for this. We also need to listen to where the spirit of our Lord Jesus Christ might be leading us. Ash Wednesday today marks the beginning of Lent, a penitential season where we we make a deliberate interruption of our regular routines to try and carve out, try and create some space to hear the word of the Lord to us. Even if it's just five minutes or two minutes a day in prayer, following along with our daily Lent Bible study on the Lord's Prayer perhaps, and listening to the weekly recorded reflection from one of our church communities contributing. Seems to me this is a wonderful celebration of who we are now, but also how we intend to go on. In other words, a celebration of Christian unity committed to working together in love. Now, just the week before last, even though we're in lockdown, I was with Sidcot Junior School um, helping with one of their RE lessons. This was all via Zoom, of course, because they're doing homeschooling just like everybody else's. And the kids, I have to say to you, were absolutely fantastic. They've been studying about church. Uh, that was their their um, their topic, their theme. And they've made these fantastic models of churches. One had a little font and some pews um, in the back there. I had to say to them that one of our churches has had his pews taken out. But that doesn't matter. We still have two that uh, got them in. 
So it was very accurate. And they'd obviously spent a lot of time painting and detailing these churches, stained glass windows, the lot. Real testament to the creativity of the kids there at Sidcot Juniors. But they also came armed with lots of fascinating questions. Did I live at the church? Is that what vicars did? Why do I wear this collar? And one particularly challenging and interesting one. Here it was. I remember it now. It was, is everything in the Bible scientifically true? Is everything in the Bible scientifically true? What a great question, I thought. Um, it'd be good to have a great answer to that, wouldn't it, as well? How might we have answered that? Just pause for a moment, just a couple of seconds to think. Someone asked you that today, and this was a little kid, well, perhaps not so little, nine, ten years old. Um, how would we answer that? Well, St Paul, who wrote this book of Corinthians, spent much of his time not just praying, but learning about his faith and reflecting on how best to share that in the culture of the time. So that when he would have did, dealt with the, the kind of 2,000 years ago equivalent of that type of question, he would have tried to equip himself with at least some form of an answer. He modelled what he wrote. He was trying to be an ambassador for Christ. And this is something that a good example, I think, that we can follow to equip ourselves by reading, studying, praying through the scriptures. Sometimes actions are needed, aren't they? But sometimes words are what's required to help articulate the feeling of love and the expression of the love of Christ that we have for people. We need, as Christians, to engage with the heart, but also the intellect. Is everything in the Bible scientifically true? I didn't know that question was coming, but I think I said something along the lines of, well, firstly, much of the Bible is poetry and prose. And we wouldn't normally expect the words of a poem or a song or some beautiful literature to always be scientifically true. But that doesn't mean it doesn't contain life-changing truth. Also, the Bible was written, much of it, over 2,000 years ago. And people wrote without the education that kids at perhaps Sidcourt or other primary schools are able to enjoy these days, physics, chemistry and maths and all that good stuff. They wrote the words in the Bible with the understanding they were given at the time. That doesn't mean that God was any less real to them because they didn't understand how the stars worked, for example, but they saw them and marvelled about how wonderful God the Creator was. And he spoke to them just like he can speak to us through his precious word. So I think I said something along those lines. Um, so anyway, just to conclude, it's, it's great we might be giving up chocolate or cookies or beer or biscuits and cake for Lent. Perhaps I wouldn't encourage you to try and do all of those uh, at once. Um, but I think there's something in our Lenten season about making a conscious decision now, a sacrifice even, in how we are as a community of faith. So that how we are now is also modelling and indicating to ourselves and those around us how we're called to be. A community of faith the body of Christ, ambassadors for Christ. Amen.
Now in the, the prayers which follow, please join in with the response. Make our hearts clean, O God. And I'll join in with that response too. We can say it together at the right times. Let us pray. Father eternal, giver of light and grace, we have sinned against you and against our neighbour. Make clean our hearts, O God, in what we have thought, in what we have said and done. Make clean our hearts, O God. Through ignorance, through weakness, and through our own deliberate fault. Make clean our hearts, O God. We have wounded your love and marred your image in us. Make clean our hearts, O God. We are sorry and ashamed and repent of all our sins. Make clean our hearts, O God. For the sake of your Son, Jesus Christ, who died for us, forgive us all that is past and lead us out from darkness to walk as children of light. Dear friends in Christ, I invite you now to kneel if you're able or simply bow your heads in prayer as a sign of the spirit of penitence with which we shall keep this season of Lent. God our Father, you create us from the dust of the earth. Grant that our act of humility, kneeling or bowing our heads just now, may be a sign of our penitence and a symbol of our mortality, for it is by your grace alone that we receive eternal life. In Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Well, we've come to the end of this short service for Ash Wednesday. Thank you so much for joining us and thank you to the people who make these uh, videos possible, provide the music, edit it, produce it, release it and everything else that involves. Just some final words of blessing as we conclude. The Lord enrich you with his grace and nourish you with his blessing. The Lord defend you in trouble and keep you from evil. The Lord accept your prayers, absolve you from your offences. The name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>